The stop for Radio DePaul, your Chicago college connection. Radio DePaul, Chicago's College Connection. This is Avant Garbage, episode two, the only episode two to ever exist. And I'm your host, John Henry. To further reiterate, if anyone ever tells you that this is anything but episode two, do not trust them. As always, we've always started, and we'll ideally never not start with the track One Stone, which is a single release question mark of a track by everyone's favorite, Steve Roden, um, my personal obsession, Steve Roden. Steve, if you're out there, we'll get you on the show one day. I don't care if you're fancy and an artist. So am I.
other poems, was published in 1826 when she was barely 20 and he was still in his teens. She died 28 years before he did, and he spent the last quarter of his life as a lonely widower. Their story still reads like a soap opera, with many melodramatic features, including bodily illness, paternal opposition, romantic art, and a secret wedding. Elizabeth developed a lingering affliction in 1838 and was an invalid for several years thereafter. Robert wrote to her in 1845, praising her work, and they soon met and began corresponding. In September of 1846, they were wed in secrecy and fled to Italy, where they lived for most of the rest of her life. With only one poem in this collection, she stands some risk of being dismissed as a romantic sonneteer with little scope or depth. But the full range of her publications tells a very different story. The collection, The Seraphim and Other Poems, shows a great variety of subjects and styles. 
If you stopped with, how do I love thee, let me count the ways, you would be missing Aurora Lee, Elizabeth Barrett Browning's 11,000 line novel in verse about a woman writer, one of the most audacious experiments in English literature. How do I love thee, let me count the ways, Elizabeth Barrett Browning. Browning's collection, Sonnets from the Portuguese, appeared in 1850. The sonnets are not translated from the Portuguese, but the suggestion of indirection may keep the poems from seeming too personal. The sequence contains 44 sonnets. This one comes next to last. Some of the poems talk about the beloved of the third person, but many talk to the beloved in the poetic second person of thou and thee. joined the Army, eventually going to the U.S. Military Academy at West Point for a year. From about the age of 14, he had been writing poetry, and after his dismissal from West Point in 1831, lived hand-to-mouth in various literary and journalistic jobs all over the eastern seaboard in New York, Baltimore, Richmond, and Philadelphia. In 1835, he received a license to marry his cousin, Virginia Clem, who was 13 at the time. They married in 1836 and seemed to have lived together happily until her death from tuberculosis in 1845. Poe himself died in Baltimore in 1849 under mysterious circumstances. A century and a half after his death, a dispassionate diagnostician reviewing the facts in the case concluded that Poe probably died of rabies. Poe spent most of his adult life as a literary editor and journalist. In a pitifully abbreviated career, he managed to make himself famous as a fabulous inventor, a true American devilist, so that it can be persuasively argued that Poe, just about single-handedly, invented the short story, science fiction, detective fiction, the symbolist poem, and the new criticism. It is certain that Poe remains the American writer with the farthest reaching influence. He understood our deepest fears and desires, and his shadow stretches over many literary provinces, from Jules Verne to Vladimir Nabokov to the films of Stanley Kubrick. The secret code letters in Dr. Strangelove are P-O-E, after all. To Helen, Edgar Allan Poe. Poe said that he began this poem, at age 14, in praise of a woman named Jane Stith Stannard, who was a good friend of the sort that gives comfort and shelter to a young person with problems. Poe memorialized her by elevating her affection to an extraordinary beauty, powerful enough to deserve comparison with the joy of homecoming. 
Such beauty is not so much a physical attribute as an emotional effect. Being with you is like coming home after a long absence, the poem suggests, although in extremely vivid images. Vivid, yes, but also vague. The poem bewitchingly mixes the definite with the indefinite, and for at least 150 years, readers have been debating the meaning of Nicene and much else in the poem. Its terrific power probably comes more from mystery and suggestion of the idealized woman than from any outright reference to a particular Helen or Holy Land. Her presence calls up other classical presences, including the refuge of classical antiquity, which is, in a way, a home to which we long to return. Helen, thy beauty is to me like those Nicene barks of yore that gently o'er a perfumed sea the weary, wayworn wanderer bore to his own native shore. On desperate seas long wont to roam, thy hyacinth hair, thy classic face, thy naiad
Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to Radio DePaul, your college, Chicago college connection. This is episode two of Avant Garbage. Do not let anyone tell you anything different. I will be right back after I play you a few messages. So please stay tuned to that webpage or whatever you may be listening to this on. Tuned may be a little bit disingenuous considering the lack of a uh, analog stream, but bear with me. I have some messages for you. We have one earth, a place full of life, with mountains and streams, vibrant forests, creatures of all kinds, and us. We have one earth. It is our provider, supporting us with its riches, a landscape of wonder, always there, always giving. We have one Earth, yet she is being abused, those creatures disappearing, her air polluted, her water drying up, her soil depleted. We have only one Earth, and soon there will be nothing left of it, a barren land stricken with disease, violence, the giver of life having given it all, unless we cause of Earth's strife. Act now. Biking in Chicago is more than just a mode of transportation. It's a lifestyle. It's convenient, affordable, and with 13,000 bike racks, parking is never a problem. But with every reward comes a sidecar of risk. In Chicago, over 1,700 cyclists a year are killed or injured in bike accidents involving motor vehicles. Bike safety is simple. First, become familiar with Chicago bike laws. Know your hand signals and when to use them. Love your brain. Get a bike helmet that fits your noggin and deck it out with a headlamp and some reflective gear for riding at night. Bike at least three to four feet away from parked cars to avoid being struck by a car door being opened. Motorists can do their part, too, by checking their side view mirrors for bike traffic before exiting their vehicle. Most importantly, remember that we're sharing the road. Looking out for both ourselves and each other is the only way to keep Chicago's roads safe, no matter what your wheels look like. For more information on bike safety in Chicago, visit www.chicagobikes.org. This public service announcement was brought to you by Radio DePaul, Chicago's college connection. All right, ladies and gentlemen, allow me to welcome you back and allow me, if you would, to back sell a bit of this playlist, what we've been playing, what you've been hearing, and the discrepancies between the two. I say that as a joke, of course. Um, I am a master. Um, We started right after One Stone. We started with um, an album called Fish Face, Fish Face. It's a Polish experimental jazz album. I do not have the year on that, sadly. I did not take good notes for this episode, and I apologize. That's by Tomaz. That's Thomas with a Z at the end of it. And then Stanka. S-D-A in with an accent agu. And then, if that's how you say it in my French class that I took my sophomore year of high school. And um, with an O at the end after that. Um, after this, we listened to, um, I picked, I, I picked, this is the worst, worst, worst list of names I could have picked. This is Pajusk, <laughs> and we listened to Troisk, um, that's P-J-U-S-K as the artist, and the track being T-R-O, oh, maybe that's an L, Trolsk, T-R-O-L-S-K, and we, um, Bedded that between with a album with, with a track from the band Black Marble, the album A Different Arrangement. That's track five. That is Limitations. Um, we're currently listening to 
um, both a William Bazinski track, which is, uh, I believe it is a shadow in time. Yes, a shadow in time. That's off an album that, once again, has a very impressive runtime. There's a side B is 20 minutes long. Very impressive feat of LP engineering. And we're have I have my little terrible, terrible, terrible. I mean, like I can't I can't say how bad this is, um, really, truly, without you seeing it. Um, little little cassette player here, and we listened to a bit of poetry earlier with that. The classic hundred poems. I have no more information on that. Everything about it is a mystery to me. Um, we are currently listening to a tape that is um, from the band Ampire, Empire, A M P Y R E, and the album is Now Now. And I believe we are listening to the track History Repeats Itself. We could possibly also be listening to Side B, Mobius Strip. I have no idea how to tell what side it is. This album is not competently designed. Let's see. I think that's it. I think we've thoroughly backsold ourselves, and my William Bazinski um, track is about to uh, meet its end, so I need to start thinking on my feet again with my playlist, and I will get back to you another time. Stay tuned.
Hello again. This is Jack for a warm visit to a magic world and to a golden treasure chest of memory, entertainment, excitement, drama, and world history. Yep, we are going to explore the world of Golden Radio. I was part of radio as it developed, just as I am part of television. I share with Bing Crosby, Bob Hope, Red Skelton, George Burns, Lucille Ball, Arthur Godfrey, and many others a common heritage in radio. I'd like to help you enjoy again those nostalgic moments when the family gathered together in the living room to share the make-believe world of radio. We will look in on comedy, drama, suspense, news, and the people who made it all possible. By the nature of radio, we as performers shared with you, our listeners, the creative best in our lives. We worked together, and for that reason, radio became part of our growing up together. Before we get started, though, I'd like to tell those of you who are just discovering the golden days of radio how it differs from today's television. Radio was really do-it-yourself television. Instead of a big, ugly glass picture tube, you saw the performers in your own mind. You were not restricted by the boundaries of a 21-inch tube, but instead painted your own big-as-life version of each moment with that loving, creative brush we call imagination. Now, just in case you're out of practice, Here's a little test to demonstrate the power of your imagination. No, don't open that door, McGee. <laughs> Didn't you see that fabulous closet just as clearly as though it was on the largest full-color television screen imaginable? Why, every time McGee opened that door, a million Americans saw a closet in their own homes. Let's try a more ambitious test of your imaginative power. And as we do, we'll start our sentimental journey back to the golden years of radio. When that instrument was a golden cornucopia from which poured the wealth of the greatest entertainers in history. Here is Bing Crosby on his Philco Radio Time Show, the night he entertained two guests. Let me alone, I'll get it, I'll get it. Hey, you. You ever played this number before, Bub? Played it? I made it. <laughs> well, I should have known Jack Benny. Well, I certainly expected you tonight, Jack. I expected you over, but I didn't expect to find you in the orchestra. I can't understand it. I've, I've never played so poorly. Oh, cheer up, Jack. Sure you have. Thanks, kid. But I, I, I practiced all morning to limber up. I even washed my fingers in dust. Dust doesn't do it. I'm dead. Better switch to Wheaties, kid. But, Jack, I thought Mary was going to come with you. Where is she? Oh, she stopped by the Musicians' Union to pay my dues. You, be you belong to the Musicians' Union? Don't act so shocked. Well, then, as far as I belong to Musicians Union, I'm one of the charter members. You see, years ago, I had a little band. We all joined together. Oh, I know the group well. A fife, a drum, and a guy with a bandage around his head. <laughs> so far, I've had nothing. <laughs> Look, I don't mean the spirit of 76. My band was called... Jack Benny and his sizzling gobblers. Sizzling gobblers? That's the line they gave me. Yeah. <laughs> we specialized in turkey trot. That's the line. That's the line. <laughs> and I bet your drummer had drumsticks that were really drumsticks. Yeah, he used to drive me crazy with that munching during my solo. <laughs> Can't understand it. Bill Morrow used to write for me. Bing, Bing, what I wanted to see you about is a business proposition. Uh, uh, what are you going to do this summer? I'm going to take a vacation. 
Well, I've got an idea where you and I could combine business with pleasure. I'm afraid not, Jack. A thing. I mean, this is a chance to pick up some extra money. And that never hurts, you know. Oh. No, it's spending that hurts, isn't it? <laughs> that's, that's ridiculous. It doesn't bother me. Uh, don't knock it till you've tried it. <laughs> well, Mary Livingston. <laughs> yeah, get a load of her all decked out like Mrs. Astor's horse. Listen, Mary, you never get all dressed up like that on my program. Well, how often do I sit on Bing Crosby's lap? Well, you're not on Crosby's lap. Wait till I get rolling. <laughs> Mary, just kidding, Bing. Nothing will happen. You keep out of this. Fine. Listen, I've been thinking of this for years, and I might as well come right out and say it. What do all the women see in Bing Crosby? Look at it. Hey, he's, you know, he's got blue eyes like mine. You know? Blue eyes like mine? You can stop there, brother. Mary, all I want to know is... Did you go to the Musicians' Union and pay my dues? Yes. All right, Mary, where's my card? Here. Just a minute, this isn't a musician's card. Oh, I forgot to tell you. They transferred you to the Plumbers' Union. The Plumbers' Union? Your plunger arrives tomorrow. What? I can't wait to hear your first solo. <laughs> Gonna be asleep on the deep, huh? Is your imagination getting tuned up? Good. Our radio pioneered most of the kind of shows you see on television today. Humor, for example, breaks down into two basic formats. The variety show and the situation comedy. Both forms reached a peak in radio. I asked George Burns to select a favorite episode of the George Burns and Gracie Allen show from his own personal Company below them, I repeat the count. Your master's known munificence is ample warrant that no just pretense of mine for dowry will be disallowed. Though his fair daughter's self, as I avowed at starting, is my object. Nay, they will go together down, sir. Notice Neptune Lower taming a seahorse. Ladies and gentlemen, we are fast approaching the end of Avant Garbage, Episode 2. Thank you for listening, and I would like to briefly, briefly tell you what I've been playing, because um, it's been a doozy. Doozy for me as well. I've had some problems with the CD player, and that really... Ru- ruined, ruined the flow for me, because I've been um, I'm, I'm technologically illiterate, and I don't have a way yet to properly crossfade and move and mix around um, all the MP3 files I have. So I've been kind of juggling a very fine line between LPs and CDs and tapes and other things along with the MP3s, because I. At, at, at the current time, Winamp isn't giving me any that nice of a crossfade that I can manually control myself, or at least not that I know of. Um, but I shouldn't, I shouldn't be complaining to you. What can you do? You don't run the show. By the casting of Meeting at Night in the present tense, as though the reader were in the middle of the action. We're currently hearing in the background Aloy Haba. If I remember, um, if I'm pronouncing this correctly, it's that's A L O I S H A B A, and this is his suite for quarter tone piano, number six, Opus 88 plus, whatever that may mean to you. I played a pretty good selection um, from. Uh, 
what's this word? What is this thing that I'm thinking of? I just moved the LP away from me and it's immediately escaped my mind. I played an LP that was called The Golden Age of Radio. And um, it's just a, it's a spoken word album. And it's just talking about how cool things were back in the day. Um, with a very stark implication that radio is um, altogether dead. And in some ways, I can attest to this being an entirely digital audio production. And in other ways, I can disprove this as this is a radio program. So, pick your poison. We're also hearing another selection just in the background, playing along with this um, uh, quarter-tone piano, um, just another random side at some random position of the poetry tapes, which I have three of. The fourth one is missing. Odd. Very odd. Let me see. Oh! Um, we played a Steve Roden track. We played... Um, off in um, off an LP that I have of his called uh, Big Circle Drawn with Little Hands. A big circle drawn with little hands. And I played the track Two Hands Behind Glass. And I had some fun with the turntable, slowing it up and down. And I really like how it sounds slowed down um, because the pops are so much more stereophonic and so much more... Um, and the white throat builds and all the swallows... Where my blossomed pear tree the They're all so much more um, separate, set apart from one another, is what I'm trying to say, maybe. But regardless of what else I may have to say or may not have to say, I'm going to end now. I would like to remind you that you can find a recording of every show that I do here, along with links to subscribe to this show as a podcast at the website garbageradio.org. Avant Garbage is apparently a very popular name, or at least more, way more popular than I could have ever envisioned it. And as a result, there is no Avant Garbage Radio being used by me. Everyone else has it, not me. So that's it. That's my quick promo. Listen to this show. Listen to whenever you wish. If 11 p.m. to midnight central doesn't work for you, well, how about any time? Pretty good. I know. They should hire me as a salesman. And I invite you, lastly, to tune in a week from now, where I will be back with you again. And stay tuned, I might employ you to hear some more music from the wonderful brains behind Radio DePaul, your Chicago College Connection. But Clough was also capable of writing the famous anthem of resolution and hope, Say not the struggle naught availeth. Arnold addressed to a Republican friend, 1848, to Clough, and commemorated... You're listening to Radio DePaul.